Hey, Happy New Year, and we're so grateful that you stopped by today. It's a special day at LifePoint because we're not meeting in person today. We're actually giving our volunteers a day off, a well-deserved weekend with their families. And before we dive into today's service, I just wanted to give you a preview of next Sunday's service when we are meeting again in person at 9 o'clock at Plano, 10.30 at Rock Hill, and we're beginning a brand new series we're simply calling good grief. What we know is what we all have in common is loss. And the Bible has a lot to say about how we can be encouraged in loss. And so it could be loss of a job, a loss of a career, loss of expectations, loss of a loved one. I just want to invite you, if you know someone who would be encouraged with the series on grief, invite them as we begin a new series called Good Grief. Now, today we are diving into a message that we believe would be very relevant for this weekend. So we're going to replay a message that I hope is helpful for you today. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next week. Well, today we're beginning this new series called Activate, and uh, really excited about really a better you. Like, what does that mean to be a better you? Well, we're going to dive into that in just a second, but first, let's talk about what really looks like in life when we have these great expectations and then there's reality. You ever tried to make a cake and you wanted to make it special like this SpongeBob SquarePants cake, but then it turned out like that? Anybody ever made that cake? Yeah. Or you ever gone last Christmas where you saw it on display and you thought it was going to look like that, but when you unwrapped it, it looked a lot like, hey guys, have you ever seen your wife with this great, beautiful kind of baby cuddle, and you're like, hey, I'm going to make that myself, but it looks more like that. (laughs) Or maybe you're thinking, okay, this summer we're going to go to the beach, and I've seen the selfies, and I'm going to recreate it. It looks beautiful, but it looks like that. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I've made that selfie a few times. The truth is, we all have these extraordinary desires but they end up with ordinary results, right? You ever, you ever read like a, a, you know, a book like a Steve Jobs when he wrote the book, uh, his biography, and he talked over and over again about this idea of making a dent in the universe. He really wanted to matter. And we get so inspired by that until we have a few experiences like this, and then we start going, I can't make that kind of a difference. Uh, you kind of get discouraged and you're almost tempted to quit, to not try, to, to, to really go for it. And this is the question I want us to kick off with this morning and in this series. How can I make an extraordinary difference when I feel so ordinary? I don't know where you are in life. Maybe, maybe you're in your career and you're like trying to take the next step and you're trying to climb the ladder. You're trying to close the next deal. You're trying to uh, make an acquisition and you want to make an extraordinary difference. But at times you're honest, you'd say, but I feel ordinary. Or maybe you're, you're a mom or a dad and you're like, hey, I've got these kids and I really want to be a great parent. I want to be a great grandparent. I want to be a great uncle or aunt. I really do want and desire that. But I feel so ordinary. You have these relationships that you want to cultivate and you want to make a difference. Maybe you're wanting to start a 501c3. You're wanting to start a, 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 an impact in the community by starting a nonprofit or just be a great citizen in our county. You want to make a difference. At the end of your life, you want to matter. But you feel so ordinary. What do we do when we want to make an extraordinary difference? But at the same time, we have a front row seat to all of our weaknesses, to all of our failures, to all of our propensity toward everything but extraordinary. What do I do when I want to? 
But I just feel so ordinary. I, I know exactly how this feels. In fact, the, the church that I had the privilege of pastoring before coming here was in the Bay Area. And uh, I'll never forget the day one of the staff members came to me early on. And, and, and I think he meant this as a compliment. And he came to me and he said, Mark, I think you ought to write a book. And this next book ought to be called Ordinary. And that will be your biography. <laughs> it gets better. He said... Because you now pastor one of the most influential churches in the South Bay, and you're about the most ordinary pastor I've ever known. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And your exit interview is tomorrow at 3.30, and we'll work this out. And you laugh. I'm going to tell you, you're a pretty ordinary-looking bunch yourself. So, uh, and I should know, right? I should know. Hey, here, here's the deal. Let's look today at a group of people who got together in a room and they began the biggest movement of faith this world has ever seen. And today, thousands of years later, 2,000 years later, not one, but more than two billion people are following this Jesus that they were declaring to the world. It is no question that if you and I were to gather together in a room and we were to begin to do and plan something, and thousands of years later, billions of people would be impacted by it, we would all say, now that's an extraordinary difference. But here's what I think we would be tempted to believe. Well, these people must have been special. They must have been extraordinary. But what we're going to see is there was nothing extraordinary about these people. They were so ordinary. They were like a motley crew of people who gathered in the room that did something we're about to look at. And the one thing they did changed everything. And the one thing they did is what allowed them to make an extraordinary difference. And if you're here today and you don't normally go to church and you're not sure you buy the Bible yet and its authority and, and its power or even being true, let me just say what we all agree on, and that is there is something in all of us that wants to make an extraordinary difference. It's universal. Whether it's Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, or whoever else, we want to make an extraordinary difference, and yet all of us feel ordinary. We look in the mirror, and we don't necessarily feel extraordinary. And as a pastor, what I want to do is show you the Bible offers a solution for this gap, and I want you to consider the solution the Bible offers. Because there is a gap in all of our lives between what we want and what we feel when it comes to making a difference in this world. And you just gotta see what these ordinary people did that made one of the greatest impacts in the history of our world. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to see the one thing they did. It's the one thing we can do. It's the one thing I'm encouraging you to do this summer. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's actually a Bible there in the pew. And if you're using that Bible, you can turn to page 882, and that's where we're going to kick it off today. Acts chapter 1, give you context for the story. Jesus has just risen from the dead, and he looks at his closest followers and says, you are going to start a movement that will change the world. And you know what every one of them thought? I am inspired by that challenge but I'm ordinary. And Jesus goes, yes, you are. So I'm gonna give you a promise that will equip you. You just gotta do this one thing. 
And so with that said, let's look at the promise that Jesus made to these people who saw that they felt ordinary and wanted to do the extraordinary. Acts chapter one, beginning in verse eight, Jesus reveals the source. Look what he says, but you will receive power. I know you don't feel like you have the power. You're not gonna create the power. You're going to receive the power. You will receive power when, and say these next two words out loud with me, the Holy Spirit. Oh, is it you because of a self-help? Is it you because of your exercise? Is it you because you get coached? All those things are good, and I say go for it. But if you really want to make an extraordinary difference, Jesus says there is a source of power that you can receive that you can't manufacture called the Holy Spirit. Now, you may look at the Holy Spirit and go, now, what's the Holy Spirit again? Because it feels like maybe it's a Casper the Friendly Ghost, kind of what is that all about? And if you're wondering, like, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. If you want me to explain it further, well, I can't explain it much further. I can just tell you that I believe that God is greater than I can comprehend. But what I know is the words Holy Spirit show up more than 50 times throughout the book of Acts as the church is being launched. Jesus over and over said, this is where we fill the gap between what we want to do and what we feel capable of is we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And watch what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. The power of the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to Plano. And to the ends of the earth, 2,000 years from now, there will be a country that doesn't currently exist and a state that doesn't exist and a city that doesn't exist with people who don't exist because of what you will do in this one thing when you go to the room, I will send the Holy Spirit who will give you the power to do it and you will make a difference. Why did they need the Holy Spirit? Because they were ordinary like you and me. They weren't, they weren't special in any way. And so then the question comes, okay, well, if there's a Holy Spirit out there that can empower me, then the obvious question is, how do I activate the power of the Holy Spirit? Hey, look, it's the summer of 2022. What do I got to do? Where do I go down to Target? Do I order this on Amazon? Like, how do I activate the power of the Holy Spirit? Because I want to do extraordinary, but I feel so ordinary. Well, that's the point of this series, is to try and answer that question in my life and in yours, and we're going to see when the Holy Spirit was active, recorded, and one of the greatest, or the greatest faith movement was launched, because this Holy Spirit's power was activated. How do you activate the Holy Spirit's power in your life? Well, you got to come each week over the rest of the month, and let's discover it for ourselves. Now, here's what we got to do we got to do what the disciples did. Because you're wondering, okay, what do I do? Well, I'm going to go to work tomorrow. What do I actually got to do? Well, watch what the disciples did in verse 12. It says, then the disciples, the apostles, returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city, or in other words, a short walk. Where they, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room. That seems like a sort of dry detail, doesn't it? Like, why is that in there? They went upstairs. Why, why does that matter that they went upstairs? Because I'm still wrestling with this original question, and that is, how do I make a difference, an extraordinary difference, when I feel so ordinary? And that little detail that was in Scripture is very important because what we're going to discover is in order to make an extraordinary difference, you must leave the crowd behind. 
you got to live differently in order to make a different kind of impact. you got to leave the crowd behind. Think about these apostles back in the day. As Jesus has risen from the dead, he is by far the most well-known and popular figure there in Jerusalem and there in the region. And then he ascends into heaven. We see it the first few verses of the book of Acts. And then these are the remaining witnesses who knew him, who saw him, who walked with him. Can you imagine the rest of the crowd who are kind of trying to figure out about this popular Jesus? They're wanting to hang out with these apostles. I'm sure they're wanting to do selfies with them. They're wanting to do podcasts with them. They're wanting to ask them, get their autograph. Like, you guys walked with Jesus. You know Jesus. We want to pick your brain and spend time with you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You guys wait and you go up into this room to do this one thing, I want you to leave the crowd behind. I want you to be intentional because your job, your task in your life is to launch this faith movement, not to be well known, not to take advantage of your platform in this season, it's to launch this faith movement. And so they left, and I'm gonna tell you, I think it's harder for us to leave the crowd behind than even the apostles experienced. Because when they walked in the room and they shut the door and they went upstairs, the crowd was on the other side and they were inside with zero voice of the crowd. But you and I, when we go in a room and we shut the door, the crowd's still with us, aren't they? They're on our phone. They're on Netflix. They're on our computer. Like wherever we go, the crowd is with us. I think it's harder to turn the noise down than it has ever been. But what we see from these apostles, if you want to get to know God, if you want to make a difference in this life, you have to learn how to, we have to learn how to turn the noise down. We have to leave the crowd behind. This isn't even a Christian thing. When you think of people like Steve Jobs, when they begin their business with he and Steve Wozniak, they get in this garage and they just live a different life. Why? Because they have to live like no one else in order to do something extraordinary. Every extraordinary story begins with a group of people who decide to live differently, to be different. They wanted to launch a faith movement. The first thing they did, they left the crowd behind. Here's what I got to suggest to some of us. Maybe this is the summer where some of us deactivate some accounts, where we turn the phone off and we leave the crowd behind. We turn the noise down in our life so that we can get alone with the whispers, the still small voice of God. Now look what they did because it's fascinating if you think about it. Now who are these people again if they weren't extraordinary? Well, we actually get their names in this kind of roll call in verse 13. It says, they go up to the room. When they arrived, they went upstairs. I want you to see their names because you'll appreciate who they are. They go up to the room where they were staying in this room and here are the ones who are present. There's Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Now, we look at that list, and when you study the scripture, you quickly realize these are far from superstars. Peter, the last time scripture records him, he's the one who's denying Jesus publicly, not once, not twice, but three different, he's like, I don't even know this Jesus because he's afraid of the repercussions. He's so afraid to even be associated with Jesus. And then Thomas, whenever Jesus comes to him, Thomas is the one who says, I don't believe you actually rose from the dead. I saw that you were crucified on the cross. I don't believe that you rose from the dead. He said, I've got to touch the scar and I've got to 
feel for myself that you are the one who indeed died on the cross. In this moment, these are deniers and doubters of Jesus who are cowered and huddled up in a little room, uncertain of the future, waiting marching orders from God. These aren't superheroes. These are ordinary people, just like you and me, who Jesus said he wanted to do an extraordinary thing through them, but up till now, they don't feel at all qualified. I don't know what it is you're wanting to do, but maybe you're there too. You don't feel at all qualified for what is in your heart to do. See, it turns out it's just an ordinary group of people who were the nucleus of a worldwide 2,000-year-old multicultural church. They were ordinary people. How? Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit enables ordinary people to make an extraordinary difference. And the Holy Spirit, and here's the really important thing I hope you'll hear today. The Holy Spirit enables us in the same way. And here's why I know that. Because there are two truths that were true then that are true now. And I hope you'll grab onto this. Number one, the Holy Spirit is just as powerful today as he was then. And the Holy Spirit is just as active today as he was then. But here's the difference. We're busy. Our lives are noisy. And our lives are like a blur as we have our calendars completely full. And we don't get away. It's not that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to move and enable and empower and activate. It's that we're not sitting still long enough listening and seeking to hear and be empowered. We're busy with our schedules. We're busy with our social media. We're living noisy lives that are just a blur. And the first thing they had to do was they had to get away, leave the crowd behind, and get alone and hear, and listen, and become dependent people. And then they did the one thing, and here's the part I've been waiting to get to all day. Acts chapter 1, verse 14, I hope you see this. This is the one thing they did, and as we begin the summer of 2022, I hope you will begin to do this one thing. Watch what they did in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They all join together constantly in, say this word with me, prayer. They joined together constantly in prayer. And they were along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. See, it turns out, if we want to make an extraordinary difference, I don't know what God has placed on your heart, but if you want to make an extraordinary difference, you must leave the crowd behind and pray. This is when we come to the end of myself. This is when I come to the place of surrender and I leave the crowd behind and I spend time in his presence in prayer men I want to talk to you for a second in fact what what I would like to do Cameron can we put up verse 13 again notice this list of men we know there were women there too but I think it's interesting that men were pointed out here and I think they're one of the reasons As we live here in Collin County in North Dallas, let's be honest, men, we want to make a difference. And one of the ways we believe we will make a difference is that we will become influencers in the boardroom. 
So we want to be CFO, CEO, we want to be COO, we want to have a seat at the table, we want to be influencers in the boardroom, and there isn't anything wrong with God-given platform. But I want you to notice how these men made the difference of a lifetime. The difference of a generation, in fact, they made the difference of two millennia now. They were in a room praying. And in most churches, women tend to lead the areas of prayer ministry. And men, I just want to say to you, if you want to make a difference in this world, we ought to worry more about leading in the prayer room than in the boardroom in order to see the Holy Spirit move as we want to see him move, in order to make the difference that we have been called to make. That's how these men made the difference. And I believe that's how we can make the difference. The original followers of Jesus, whew, just ordinary people. But something, something began to change. Something began to change as only prayer can do inside, inner, like transformation in their hearts. All of a sudden, there was a radical change that was happening within them. And you got to come next week because there's some surprising things they do next that I want you to see. But we're going to fast forward the story to see just how much being in a room praying changes us. Because it's three chapters later when all of a the sudden these same people are now who had previously been denying and doubting. All of a the sudden they have this incredible boldness that is, being, that is making a difference that they didn't seem to be able to muster up before. And the only thing that's changed is they've begun to pray and the Holy Spirit's power is changing them. And we see in Acts chapter 4, just three chapters later, where Peter and John, two of the guys who were in the room praying, all of a sudden go before this governing authority called the Sanhedrin, which is the same governing authority that had before sentenced and eventually Jesus was crucified. They had that kind of power. They call the same disciples, Peter and John, before them. And there's this tense exchange where they're saying, they're kind of threatening Peter and John. And now Peter and John cowered before and they respond oh so differently. I want you to see it. In Acts chapter 4, look with me in verse 18. It says, then they, meaning the Sanhedrin, this governing authority that had previously crucified Jesus, called them, Peter and John, and they commanded them, don't speak at all in the name of Jesus. And before they would have said, gotcha, I'm out, done. But Peter and John replied, well, which is right? In God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? Whew. You be the judges, they said. But as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. We saw a dead man walking, and we can't stop talking about him. And I don't know why we're just ordinary people, but all of a sudden we have a supernatural boldness, and I know that you crucified him, and you could do the same to us, but you cannot keep us from speaking about what we've seen and what we have heard. They have now a supernatural boldness. In fact, they leave that conversation and they go back to this room where the disciples were praying and they walk in and they're so excited to see him oh good I was afraid they were going to take your life well it's just like they had taken Jesus and they bring Peter and John in and now they have a prayer meeting and I want you to see how their prayers have changed look down at verse 29 the very beginning it says now Lord they're all praying together these disciples after the Sanhedrin has made this threat consider their 
threats. Now let's just stop there for a second. What if that had been you in that moment? How would you have finished that prayer? Let me tell you how I would have finished it and how I think you would have finished it. I think this is the way I would have finished it. Lord, consider their threats. After all, they killed your son on the cross. So God, would you protect us? Would you keep us safe? Would you give us traveling mercies the way we do it? Like, Would you give us a hedge of protection, right? I would have made it sound spiritual, but I would have been praying for protection. I would have said, God, give me increased safety and decreased risk. God, give me increased safety and decreased risk. And I wonder if you evaluated your prayers, if you would see a theme of increased safety and decreased risk. I would have been praying for the safety of the people who could threaten me. But watch how they prayed because they have been transformed by prayer. They said, now Lord, consider their threats and make us safe? No. Enable your servants to speak your word, say these two words with me, with great boldness. That's a different kind of prayer, isn't it? They've been changed. They're no longer deniers and doubters, but they are boldly declaring Jesus, even when their life could be on the line. That is a transformation. So back to our question. All right, so how can I make an extraordinary difference when I feel so ordinary? I want to point out what the disciples did again and say what I believe is happening when we pray. And Here's the bottom line. If you have nothing else, I hope you hear this. Prayer exchanges my ordinary for God's extraordinary. Yeah, I come to the end of myself. I don't know if I'm a great spouse or if I'll ever have a great spouse. I'm ordinary. Yeah, but prayer exchanges my ordinary. I want to have a great career. I want to make a difference. I want to matter in this world, be a great parent, grandparent. I want to do something in this community that matters. I'm ordinary. Yeah, but prayer exchanges my ordinary for God's extraordinary. Maybe you have a, a, a child who's, who's gone a different way and you're praying for them. Prayer exchanges my ordinary for God's extraordinary. And the disciples learned, I am not enough. I'll never be enough. But God is always more than enough. And it's in prayer when the power of his spirit enables me to do what I could never do on my own. I want to share a personal story about my daughter Kennedy, my second oldest daughter, who I got her permission to share this. And just a couple of months ago, I was dropping her off at college, and, and she's a freshman, and I was uh, just noticing in her life, and, and my wife Ginger and I both noticed it. And I said, Kennedy, something, I think something seems different about you. And I don't know, is it your relationship with God, but something internally just seems different. There's a lightness, there's a generosity. And she said, yeah, I, I've decided to get closer to God, and I'm finding a new contentment. And I swallowed because I knew this was one of those personal conversations that really matter. And then she began to get a little emotional, and I pulled over to park, and she continued that over the last couple of years while we lived in Los Gatos, I was trying so hard to have a perfect relationships that would give me happiness, but I just felt lost. And after we moved here, I just made a decision that I was going to start pursuing God 
more. And so each night I'm just trying to remember to, to get my Bible and I read it and I'm just trying to put it into practice, whatever I read into my life. And then I just spend time praying. And I asked her how she was doing that and she said, I, I just start off in a conversation with God by thanking him for whatever I have to thank him for. And then I pray for some other people and then I pray for me. And she said, now I have a peace about my future. And I know I've been created by God and for God and that I'll be taken care of in the future no matter what. Now when I'm anxious or tempted to find happiness somewhere else, I just keep remembering to go back to God. So she said, yeah, I'm, I feel different, Dad. He's making me a new creation. Isn't that great? Here's the thing that I know is true. Amen. I'm so grateful to serve a God that not only I can go to, but my kids can go to. He loves them more than I do. And what my daughter Kennedy is finding is what these first century followers of Jesus discovered. They were ordinary just like her, just like me, just like you. But that he has a way of exchanging our ordinary for extraordinary. And I believe my daughter is discovering that her ordinary sense of anxiety is being replaced by God's extraordinary peace. That her ordinary sense of lostness is being exchanged for his extraordinary sense of purpose. And here's the good news. If you're here and you need something to be transformative in your life, good news is I know it's possible because I'm getting to see this God do this within the life of my daughter. And I know he'll do it within your life too because he's here for us but it's so hard isn't it to turn the noise down and to stop and to once again spend time in prayer with him but if we do here's what I know that I know that I know prayer it'll exchange my ordinary for God's extraordinary and that's why after the end of every service we want to invite you behind the, the back of this auditorium to have people pray with you because we just believe that's where it all starts, where we come to the end of ourself and we open up our hands and we invite God to do what only God can do. So imagine this. Imagine if at the end of this summer you begin to spend so much time in prayer, you turn down the noise, you begin to spend so much time and you begin to pray constantly like the disciples did and at the end of the summer, you begin to notice that you're exchanging some of your ordinary for God's extraordinary. And all of a sudden, people in your family, people in your, at your work, people in your life are beginning to notice. There's a lightness, a generosity, a kindness. Something's different about you. But imagine if our kids learned, our grandkids learned, that they too could come to this God in prayer. Because we are demonstrating it ourselves. And then imagine if as a church we all began to lean more this summer in prayer on God. That we begin to say, God, I, I'm just an ordinary person, but I'm going to come to you in regular ways, just like the early followers of Jesus did. Imagine if the impact that we could make in our county, what if we could even alter the course of history as the original followers of Jesus did? Not because we're capable of anything, but because he is looking for people who will follow him and surrender to him and let him do the work through us. Imagine what our story could be. 
the extraordinary difference that we could make in this world may begin when you too get alone with God in prayer. So I want to encourage you to consider making that decision to begin to pray like you haven't prayed before and to begin to surrender and submit in that way like you haven't before. And you may be here and say, well, you know what? I'm not exactly sure how to pray. It's not something I normally do. I'll give you a a real simple sample prayer, one that might kind of kick off your conversation with Jesus. You might even want to take a picture of this or just remember it, something like this. God, I want to make an extraordinary difference, but I know the power comes from you. I can't be the kind of mom or dad you want me to be. I can't be the kind of business person you want me to be. I can't be the one who who handles the burden that you're letting me handle with my health or what's going on in our retirement or in my life. God, I know the power will come from you, and I want to trust in you more and more. And today, I am choosing to exchange my ordinary for your extraordinary. Amen. Now, here's what we also want to do, just to help and encourage you as much as we can. I want to invite you to take your phone out now. I know we're in church, and some of you are a little embarrassed. Half of you have been sneaking and looking at your phone anyway, so you might as well just pull it out and look at it completely. It's not like I, I see the glow on your face. You're beautiful people, I can tell. But go ahead and pull your phone out right now. I really want you to do that because here's what we want to do. We want to encourage you. We want to remind you to pray throughout the week. So here's what we're going to do. If you'll text 94,000, you'll text that number. If you'll text the words pray and the number's 1142-94,000, what we want to do is each day at 1.14 in the afternoon, we're going to just simply, just this week, send you a reminder text to encourage you to get along with God and pray just like they did in Acts 1.14. Just a quick reminder for you this week, just text to the number 94,000, pray 114. And let's kick off the summer, activate the power of the Holy Spirit by doing what the disciples began doing, get alone and pray. Just text that and we'll remind you throughout the week. Now, I would encourage you also just to get a, an area, kind of like the disciples did. Maybe it's an area where you have a Bible, a journal, a devotional, and you just kind of get alone and you pray there throughout the week. You just sort of make it a place where you get serious and you get alone with God. Now, for those of you who want to take an extra step in growing your spiritual faith, in growing your trust in God, I want to encourage you to memorize a verse with us that we're going to memorize throughout this series. So I want to say it one time, and then I want to ask you to stand and in, in honor of scripture in just a second and say it out loud with me. It's Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews eleven six. We're gonna put it up here. I wanna ask you in honor of the scriptures, would you stand with me as we wrap this up today and would you say this out loud? Say this with me. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews eleven six. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today with desires on our heart. Maybe they're burdens, maybe they're passions, they're dreams. We do want to make a difference. We do want to matter. We want to make an extraordinary difference. And yet, 
we just feel so ordinary. God, help us to to follow the first followers of you, to get alone, and to humbly come to you with open hands, and to pray to you, and exchange all this unremarkable things about me for the majesty of Jesus, for the power of the Holy Spirit. May you activate our faith through your power, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.